One of the places that I have meetings for breakfast on a regular basis is Cracker Barrel. Amen, says somebody. <laughs> Was that you, G? All right, well, I know where we're meeting, so. And I always find it interesting when I walk into Cracker Barrel. It's quite a cultural experience, isn't it? You kind of step into a little subculture of, of American uh, mindset. In fact, before Christmas, there was like a, a Rice Krispie bar. It was like this big. And, and I was like, only in America can you buy a Rice Krispie bar. And then I actually wanted it. So I was like, I, I can't be like dissing people who are buying this stuff because I'm there. I'm, I'm a part of it. I walk around Cracker Barrel and there's things that I think are just so silly. Who would ever buy that? And then I think other stuff like, oh, that's kind of cute. And other stuff like, that's pretty cool. But I don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> One of the racks that used to be in Cracker Barrel, I don't know if they still have them, is to uh, these, these booklets that you could pull out and, and see the year that you were born and see what was happening in that year. I remember that. I don't know if they still have those or not. And I want to talk about 1985. How many of you, just by the show of hands, were not even born in 1985? Let me see your hands, okay. How many of you are feeling old right now, right? For sure. There was a, a sermon series, uh, a packet of, of cassette tapes from my former church. It was my first series, and I was showing it to our worship design team, and uh, one of our staff members, Isa, told me, you know, that's actually, that sermon series is older than I am. <laughs> so it was a kind of a shocking moment. So 1985, can you guess what the Dow Jones industrial, industrial average was? 1546. Interest rates, 10.75%. The price of gas, careful, don't get mad, ready? A dollar nine. Price for a new car, brand new, right off the lot, $9,000. Average monthly rent, am I starting to frustrate you? Average monthly rent, $375. Postage stamp, for those of you that are millennials, those are the things that on letters, they go in the corner. Okay? Postage stamp, 22 cents. A cartoon that launched that I loved, Calvin and Hobbes. Rookie of the year in the NBA, some guy named Michael Jordan. First mobile phone call was made in the UK in 1985. Some marketing geniuses at Coca-Cola thought, we got an idea, let's go with New Coke. I was 14 years old. I thought about pulling up a 14-year-old picture of myself, but I just, I just couldn't do it. So why 1985? Because it was in 1985 that College Park Church was planted. You're part of a fellowship of people now that is, in this year, going to be 38 years old. At one level, that's pretty awesome. It's been 38 years of God's faithfulness to this church. And in another respect, 38 years is hardly anything, lest we think too much of ourselves. Church was planted over at the Holiday Inn. It's not even a facility anymore. They recently tore it down. The, the church started in Casino Room A. I always loved that. It was quite a gamble. So 
There was other crazy stuff going on in Casino Room B, and you know, those were the days. 1987, the church moves to a warehouse on 96th in Michigan. In 1992, the first facility was built on this property. Amazing story of how the church came to acquire this property at 96th in town. 2009, in the middle of the Great Recession, we had a vision to provide more space, and what you're sitting in today was a part of what we called the Mission Expansion Project. The Dow Jones at that time was at 6,000, and we launched into a $16 million capital campaign that the Lord miraculously provided. By 2012, we had paid off the church debt entirely, and we took the debt payment of about $500,000 a year, and we rolled that into church planting rather than making that an internal thing. Oh, now we got an extra half a million dollars a year. We started giving that money away. And beginning in 2012, we launched a concerted church planting effort. We planted Nehemiah Bible Church, Pennington Park Church, Castleton Community Church, Cross Point Community Church, and One Fellowship. It's a lot of churches since 2012. I can tell you lots of stories of the way that God's been so faithful to us. I love this church. I've now spent more time in this church than any church. My life is shaped by people and stories and highs and lows. And this year will mark the 38th year of College Park Church. So this is kind of one of those moments where it's important to kind of Think about where we are after two, three years that have just really been hard and so much has changed, hasn't it? I'm sure that you're still figuring that out. Family dynamics are different. Political dynamics are different. Relationships are different. Your job is different. Like every one of us have had major changes in our life over the last number of years. And yet here we are and Jesus is still on the throne. The gospel is still true. College Park Church is still here. And there's a lot of people in our city to reach. Just think how easy your drive was to church today. Wasn't it amazing? It's also tragic. There are so many people in our city who don't know the name of Jesus and who are spinning their lives, pursuing things that aren't gonna be able to meet their ultimate need and also aren't gonna be able to help them when they die and stand before the King of Kings. And so today what I wanna do is to have us think about two key questions. And those two questions are these. Who are we and where are we headed? If you've been around here a little while, the question number one is just gonna be review, but I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I need to be reminded of things that I tend to forget are important. Who are we? And then also, where are we headed? As we've been talking as a staff and elders over the last number of months, what are, what are some things on our heart? What do we believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us about how we would shepherd and lead the church that belongs to Jesus? Eric said it so incredibly well. This church is his, and our end game is for you to look like him. So let's start first with who are we? I wanna review some things, and then secondly, I wanna unpack Acts chapter one and help you think about the strategic opportunity that is before all of us individually and personally. So who are we? A number of years ago, we created this identity compass. It's a figure that attempts to kind of bring together our mission, our values, our strategy, and our culture. So in, in one look, 
what are we all about? And I just wanna teach through this very briefly just to remind you of some really important things. We use different words to describe different elements of who we are and it's important for you to know who we are as a church and what makes us unique. So Eric unpacked our mission statement so incredibly well, igniting a passion to follow Jesus. At the end of the day, what our aim is for you and the reason that our elders and pastors serve you and love you and want to see you grow in grace is simply because at the end of the day, we want you to look like Jesus. We don't want you to look like us, we want you to look like Jesus. And our aim is to see igniting a passion to follow Jesus be the thing that you live out in your life, in your home, in the marketplace. Now to be clear, every church has the same mission. It comes right out of Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission. So I also wanna be clear that igniting a passion to follow Jesus is just the way that we express uniquely the Great Commission. Other churches express it differently. And I want to be very clear on something because in an increasingly divisive age, we celebrate the work of the gospel in any gospel preaching church in our city. Can I just be really clear? We are not the only church doing good work in this city. And I'm thankful for that because we're not doing perfect work. And I also wanna encourage you, please don't grow our church by being against another church. If they're a gospel preaching church, they're gonna be in heaven. And we need to celebrate that reality. When I was in high school, we used to tell a joke that you know, there was a particular denomination that just thought they were killing it all the time. And the story was told of a guy who died and went to heaven and Peter was giving him a tour around heaven and he said, hey, when we walk down this road, we need to be really quiet. So they walked down the road, there were mansions on either side, places where people were living in the new kingdom. Got done, and the guy said to the angel, why, why would you have to be quiet? He said, well, the thing is, is this is this denomination, and they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> so that's funny, not funny, right? So Igniting a passion to follow Jesus is how we express what it means to be a unique expression of the body of Christ. Every church has a unique story, location, and mission. So notice our core values on this. You see the preeminence of Jesus. And by the way, these core values are, are etched into the um, wall, sort of a banner that wraps around the sanctuary out in the atrium. I encourage you to see them, reflect on them. Preeminence of Jesus, number one value, means that our central priority is that you would know and love and share who Jesus is and that he would be preeminent in your life. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Colossians. Colossians was the first sermon series that I ever had the privilege of preaching here. It was called The Core, and this was the signature verse. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. If you don't love Jesus more because of your encounter at College Park Church, then we have failed you. We want you to know and love the preeminence of Jesus. Authority of the word, which means this, that our authority for life change, our ability to help you comes directly out of the scriptures. A Sunday or so ago, a woman came up to me and she said, that sermon was so incredibly helpful. Where did you get that? And I said to her, ma'am, right from the Bible. <laughs> if my answer to her was, well, because of all my study and creativity, that's not hopeful, because I won't, be able to have the power to help her. What I just did is help to 
her to understand what the scriptures say. And so our authority, our opportunity for life change comes from our commitment to the word, which is why we walk through the Bible expositionally, seeing what does God's word say and then how it applies, not what do we think about what we should say and find verses to somehow verify what we believe. Third, redemptive community. We want our groups and our classes to be places with both content and care where life change happens. Meaning Sunday morning is a huge priority, but there also needs to be relational places where you work this out. And that could be groups and classes associated with us, it could be something that you're doing on your own, but you're not meant to just simply come on Sundays, learn and leave, you're meant to live in community. Next, extravagant grace. This is probably one of the most unusual core values and it describes the essence of what College Park is about and that is that we want to love people the way that Jesus loved us. We wanna extend grace, we wanna live open-handed, not curl our fingers around our stuff or our hearts or our lives. We wanna realize that Jesus loved us in our brokenness and we gotta love one another in our brokenness. So in the midst of sort of a suburban, upper or middle class location, I just wanna remind you, not everybody in this room is okay. And it's okay to not be okay. We'll love you in your brokenness. In fact, there's far more of us who are not okay than what we care to admit. Next, biblical unity and diversity. Means that personally, theologically, and ethnically, we want the church to look like the broader body of Christ. We wanna love one another more than we hate our differences. And we want the church of Jesus Christ to look like heaven right now. That means that I may have a disagreement with someone theologically, but I need to understand how to force rank that. It also means that some of the more difficult conversations in our society and culture, yes, related to ethnic harmony and racial reconciliation, we still believe the church needs to lead in those conversations to help show the world that the gospel really does make a difference, not just to save us, but to help us to love one another. And finally, a call to go, which is this commitment to live on mission in our neighborhoods, in our city, and around the world, to help you realize that the church is not the goal. Like, the church is the means to an end. So Sundays are really important, but what's really, really essential is what you do with what happens here, wherever you go. Our greatest witness in the city is not what happens on Sunday. It's what happens in your office on Monday and in your school and what happens in your neighborhood and over coffee at a, at a, at a coffee shop or over dinner. It, like you in the world, God's put you where you are. You're the mission by virtue of where God has placed you. It also means keeping our minds firmly fixed on the needs of unreached people groups. So pleased to tell you that our Christmas offering right now, right now, $1.4 million. I just can't believe it. So thankful. In fact, I think, I hope, I'm praying that this offering will be the largest one. We are really close to surpassing our largest Christmas offering ever. So those are the core values. Those are the things that have defined this church at the very beginning. Those are the things that have defined us all the way through. And values take different expressions during different eras. Extravagant grace means something different in 2023 than it did in 2019. Biblical unity and diversity means something different in 2023 than what it meant in 2018. We need to figure out how to live out these values in different contexts, but these are the values that remain steady and steadfast. When the whole world is changing, these are the things that we're committed to. 
Then a discipleship strategy, belong, grow, multiply. We want you to belong. We want you to come here on Sunday. We want you to join this church, be united to Christ and the body. We want you to grow. Karen just mentioned groups and classes. Find places for you to live out in relationship, incremental discipleship growth. People who could look at your life and say, wow, I see what God is doing in you. Some of you are lonely, and you're lonely because you've not engaged in some growth step. And finally, multiply. To figure out how do I take the gifts that God has given me and then maximize those, multiply them around the world. So we don't want you just to grow for growth's sake, we want you to grow so you can affect others and help God allowing you to use your gifts to impact other people for the glory of God. So then, finally, culture. Here's the last one, culture. This is one we spent some time thinking about. Culture is that sort of hard to define, just feel or vibe, but it's really important. You may have heard it said before that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture is powerful. So what's the culture of our church? What has the spirit done? Well, there's four key words, depth, care, creativity, and impact. That they're here at our church is a commitment to historical and theological truth. We wanna go deep. We also wanna care that people matter to us and God. We wanna make a big church feel small. Also creativity, it's a part of who we are. Find fresh and new ways to reach God people and help them grow. We want to be not creative for creative sake, but if you're afraid of being creative, your church becomes a museum. And you snap a chalk line and you never take a risk, you never grow, and as a result, society and culture moves and you lose the opportunity to have witness. You have to continually think of the church, the reformers talked about the church always reforming. And then finally, impact, that we wanna change the world together one person at a time. And I think what defines College Park so uniquely is the combination of all four of those cultural markers. There's some of you who came here for depth, some of you came because of care, some because of creativity, some because of impact. And what you need to know is all four of those matter here, and yet all of us have a, a different attraction to each of those uniquely. So that's who we are as a church. Where are we headed? Well, our focal point in 2021 and 2022 was that idea of care. We sensed that for a number of reasons, our relational bonds had struggled through COVID through controversy, through pain, through people coming and people leaving. We realized that three services, while great to get a lot of people in the room, sometimes didn't help us know one another well. And so over the last couple of years, we've worked really, really hard to reemphasize the care piece and to help connect our people, connect you to one another, which is why we've made things like the atrium really important. What, what happens outside of the sanctuary is just as important as what happens inside. It's one thing to hear from God, sing, and receive God's word, but then if we leave and we don't love one another, what's, what's really the point? That's why we've had things as silly and as simple as donuts. Yeah, we're gonna eat donuts for the glory of God at College Park Church, and all God's people said, amen. <laughs> and just one, kids, just one, okay? But why donuts, why coffee? Just to have them? No because they make us slow down, they make us sip, they make us eat. They become platforms for good and helpful conversations. 
That's why we have parish events to try and help connect you with people who are near you. We don't just do those to do those. We do those because we want you to know the other members who live in close proximity to you. We've walked through texts over the last year or so, like the book of James. Remember, it's a great time to be a Christian if we'll just act like Christians. The book of Isaiah that gave us a really big view of God and helped us to remember that when you don't know what's true about your life, you do know what's true about God and you can live in that. We looked at the book of Ecclesiastes which was helpful to remind us, life is really messy. And now we're still in the book of Revelation to try and think about the end in mind and how can God help us to live in a way that anticipates the coming of Christ. In 2022, we welcomed 247 new members. There was 440 people who came to the New Here desk. For Christmas concert, we hosted nearly 8,000 people. We approved the portico, a place to connect, a, a wonderful new addition that we'll talk more about that's not only gonna be a spot for us to connect, but also we see a increased vision of connecting it so that our community will actually come onto our property, a place for you to say to your neighbor, hey, you wanna meet for lunch? My church has this really cool place, it's called the Portico. I'd love just to hang out there with you and where we can build new bridges of grace that will eventually bear the weight of truth. We have nothing like that and we're about to see that come online in the next year. So where are we headed in 2023? without leaving depth or care or creativity behind. Those are still really important. We're, we're still gonna do donuts every once in a while, so just relax. We feel compelled to have us think about that word impact. For many of us, we felt like the last number of years, and you probably felt this as well, like I'm living on my heels. I'm reacting to what's coming at me. I'm worried when I look at my news feed about what's coming next or what new variant or new controversy or new tweet that's gonna be out there that's gonna be distracting. And sometimes in life, you need to live on your heels. You need to play defense, if you will. But we feel like it's time to shift, a time to get back on offense, a time for us to say, the gates of hell still need to be stormed. We're battered, we're bruised. As Paul said, we're harassed, but let's keep moving. So what does that look like? It looks like this. It looks like changing the world together one person at a time. When we say impact, I don't just mean programs, I mean individual people, you in the realm that God has placed you, thinking through why am I here and what can I do to help advance the gospel right where God has placed me. Understand I'm not rolling out some new programs today. I don't want you to do anything new, quite frankly. I want you to do the things that you know you should do and the things you're already starting to do or maybe things that you need to renew in order to make a difference for Christ. Here's a little paragraph as to the way that we've said it. We sense a renewed urgency to passionately follow Jesus Sunday after Sunday to advance the gospel in our five mile radius and to reach unreached people groups. As we pursue depth and care and serve creatively, we desire to take intentional steps forward in our mission. We feel compelled to prayerfully invite our people to envision how individually and collectively we can impact our world for Jesus one person at a time. After two years of persevering through numerous challenges, the Lord has provided open doors for us, some that are new, some that are historic for passionate kingdom impact. And in particular, listen carefully, over the next 24 months, we believe the Lord is calling us to think about, at a minimum, these four areas. One, Sundays. 
Every single Sunday matters, and can we encourage you to think about what it means to come with a mindset of, this is my opportunity not just to be fed, but my opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Secondly, the world. It's really important for us to be reminded that there are people that desperately need to hear the name of Jesus, unreached people groups in particular, and for us to steward our resources so that we can give even more money away and send even more people and to pray more deeply and to be reminded that the challenges in our homes and our neighborhoods and our country are not the only problems in the world. Third, our city. We wanna prayerfully discover and meet the spiritual needs within our five mile radius to ask ourselves, why has God placed our church at 96th in town and how has our community around us changed and what are the needs that we could meet? And then fourth, so Sunday's World City fourth, singles, singles. One of the unique things that's happened is there has been an influx of young adults into the framework and the family of our church. And as elders and pastors, we see it's a really important thing for us to think through. Most churches like ours are geared towards married people, even married people with children. That's not bad, that's not going away. But we have this whole other group of people that we need to be sure that we're caring for, loving, integrating into every aspect of our ministry and also finding ways to meet the unique needs of their life. So that's where we're headed in 2023. And what I'm gonna be inviting you to do over the course of our time in communion is to ask yourself these two questions. What step of renewal do I need to take? Who do you need to be in 2023 so you can be a person who can make an impact? Your best witness is not what you do. Your best witness is who you are. Secondly, what step of mission-oriented risk do I need to take? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to think of what one thing do you need to do that you're uncomfortable with in order to advance the gospel. So with that, the time that I've got left, want to unpack four considerations for impact from Acts chapter one, verses six through 11. So that's the who are we. I hope that's helpful for you just to understand. Maybe you're new here. This is who we are as a church. Maybe you've been here for a long time. Um, it's good to be reminded of these things. Oh yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. So four considerations of impact. Let's take a look at Acts chapter one in verses six through 11. I wanna remind you that the book of Acts is about the movement of the Holy Spirit that was birthed, that then resulted in the church. This text sets itself in the context of just after the crucifixion of Jesus and after the resurrection of Jesus, and what we have in front of us is what's called the ascension of Jesus. And we find here some really important thoughts about how to think about impact. So four considerations. Number one is the issue of our expectations. Look at verse six. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So this is 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. He appears to his disciples multiple times and I want you to feel what they feel. They thought he was dead and he's alive. Their leader can't be touched by death. I mean, they went from, this is a disaster, and we, we hitched our wagon to the wrong guy, to, 
our leader can't be touched. So when they say, are you gonna at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They think, game time. And we're gonna be in the cabinet. And we're gonna change the world. And we're gonna run Rome out of Jerusalem. And we're gonna reestablish the Davidic kingdom and the glory days of Israel. And they were wrong. This question is revealing. It reveals their expectations. And it begs a question about your expectations, about my expectations. And first the question is, what are your expectations? You kind of have this dream of what your life is gonna be like and the question is, does that dream fit with God's dream for your life? Some of us have a wonderful plan for our life that has nothing to do with God's wonderful plan for our life. And our, our arrangement with God was, I got a wonderful plan, I wanna add you to it so you can make it happen. The challenge is, church, that oftentimes God has to disrupt our expectations in order to get our attention. And for some of you, the thing you need to do in 2023 is you need to get over your expectations. You need to lay those at the feet of Jesus and just say, I'm not gonna use you. I wanna serve you and I wanna follow you. And in order to have kingdom impact, some of us are just gonna have to have the funeral about our expectations. I can look back on my life and I could tell you some of the most fruitful things that God has done through me and in me have been things that I wouldn't have wanted, I didn't like, and I wish weren't a part of my story. They didn't fit the plan. And yet I think that is the plan. Secondly, we find the word empowerment. He says to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power. He doesn't promise them predictability. He doesn't promise them that they're gonna know what's gonna happen. He promises them power. Power, why? Because something's gonna happen in them. Something's gonna happen through them. Something's gonna change them. And we see this fulfilled throughout the book of Acts. We see Peter standing up at Pentecost, filled with the Spirit. He preaches and thousands of people are converted. This is the same man who just 45 days earlier had said, I don't know Jesus who wept bitterly, and now he's preaching, empowered by the Spirit. This is the disciples facing persecution, the onslaught of the fear of what's gonna happen, and they need the right words to speak, and the Holy Spirit gives them exactly what they need to say right at the exact moment. This is Stephen being martyred, being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the first deacons who are being selected because of a divisive problem in the church who are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the Apostle Paul who's converted, and then his baptism is filled with the Spirit. This is Bar Barnabas and Paul, who the church, by the Holy Spirit, says, separate these people from your church and send them and let them go. This empowerment is really important. Here's my question for you, same question I ask myself. When was the last time you knew God was empowering you? One of the challenges of being a mega church in a really nice community in the capital of the city of Indi in the state of Indiana, we've got a lot of really talented people who know how to do a lot of stuff. It's amazing. But here's the thing. Talented churches and talented people can be a problem for empowerment. 
When was the last time that you were so desperate that you knew that the only way it was gonna happen was if God himself by his spirit helped you? I wanna encourage you to dream about impact, to put yourself in the kind of position where empowerment isn't just nice, it's not just necessary, empowerment is essential. Where you have this thought, God, if you don't help me, this isn't happening. Third, risk. Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit and he says he's gonna, they are gonna be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You could think of this as concentric circles. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. But you could also think of it not just geographically, think of it emotionally. A pastor friend of mine, Vance Pittman, said it this way. Jesus is sending these disciples to people who don't like them. Jerusalem. Just remember, 40 days ago, in Jerusalem, Jesus was flogged beyond recognition. He was hung on a cross. He was murdered. People cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And those people are still in power. And Jesus says to his disciples, I'm sending you to Jerusalem. He's gonna send them to people who don't like them. He's also going to send them to people they don't like. I'm gonna send you to Samaria. And he's gonna send them to places that they don't even know about. He's gonna send them to places that are risky. The gospel doesn't advance, church, without some level of risk. Some of us have an unstated contractual relationship with the local church, which is this. I wanna move to the suburbs, have a great house, a great career, make lots of money, have my family. I wanna add church to the mix so that the church can just be one more comfort factor in my experience in life. The church does not exist for our comfort. The church exists for us to be awakened out of the normal American suburban life and say, your life counts more than the size of your 401k. It's more important than the number of cars in your garage. And at the end of the day, what really matters is what people say at your funeral. And you need to live with that day in mind about what it means to proclaim the name of Jesus. So this is risky in that respect. It's also risky because suddenly Jesus, it says, when he said these things, like, like he's given them this compelling mission and I, I bet they must have thought, awesome, you're like, you're, you can't be killed, let's go. Awesome, you, you, you have more power than anybody that we know. And as he gives them this witness message, all of a sudden he starts floating away from them. It's like the kid who has a balloon. He's like, mom, dad, right? And so the disciples are like, he goes up, what would you think? I mean, I'd be looking up going, he's coming back, right? Like, <laughs> and the risk is they're gonna go. Jesus isn't gonna go this way. He's gonna send them into the world. Finally, these Angels show up and it's like they're standing there looking into heaven and like God says, hey, someone's gotta go down and tell those guys, they, they, gotta, they gotta go. Like, like they're being called to do something different and so the angels go and they say, why do you stand here looking into heaven? In other words, hey guys, you got a mission, let's go. And then finally, notice what happens. 
What they did then is they went back to Jerusalem, they found an upper room, and they developed a strategic plan. No, they didn't do that, did they? <laughs> they, they went back to the upper room and they said, hey, we gotta figure out our brand. It's called The Way. What's our logo? No, no. They, they, they got some marketing consultants together. What we need to do is to survey the city of Jerusalem, find out what the felt needs are, or we need to study the demographics of the, the people. No, what happened? They went back to Jerusalem. You get the point that I'm making. They got on their face and they prayed. They were desperate. They were desperate. So here's my question. When was the last time you were that desperate? On your face saying, God, this is so scary. I don't know what we're doing. I need you to help me. That's why this week we're, we're, we're launching again a week of, of prayer. At noon, every day, the chapel will be open. I invite you just to come, sit in a quiet space. We'll have 15 minutes of prayer. We'll gather together to seek God's face. I want to encourage you to think what does dependent prayer look like in your life this week? And then Wednesday at 7 p.m., remember I talked about singles, we have this group called Fireside, and they've agreed to take their regular Wednesday evening program and create a prayer meeting for all of us. And so my invitation for you, I'd love to fill that room, is to come and pray with our single adults, with our young adults at seven o'clock and ask the Lord, what if, God, you wanna move in a way that is powerful and stunning? Now, just to so you know, it's not a program, I've asked all of the people who are involved in Fireside to come up to the platform. So Fireside people, wherever you are, come right now. Evan Collister is their leader, and um, this group of people, are you guys coming? Where are you? Come on. Come on. Um, as well, I'm going to ask another group, come all the way up here on the stage. Okay, lead them all up here, Evan. Um, additionally, we have um, a ministry connected to our community and, and counseling that Tyler Reif is leading. Tyler, why don't you come up? And additionally, we have hospitality ministry that Kendall Carlson is leading. Kendall, I want you and your team to come up here as well. So I got fireside, we've got hospitality, we've got community counseling, and why am I having these people um, come up here? Come all the way up. That's, that nothing's gonna happen to you up here, I promise. <laughs> Why am I having all these folks come up here? Because I want you to see the army of people that are reflected in the programming of our church. The programs don't matter, the people matter. And I wanna invite you to consider what it would look like to pray and to seek the Lord for these areas that we're talking about, about what it means to minister to young adults, what it looks like on Sundays. If you have a person, if you're, listen to me, if you're a nice person and you're extroverted, we got a great place for you. If you're mean and not friendly, this isn't your ministry, okay? So, uh, but hospitality, talk to Kendall. Our frontline opportunity to minister God's grace to new people in our church every single Sunday. Look around, see the people at the margins. Tyler is leading an effort of community counseling, which is the first of a number of steps to try and figure out how do we meet the needs of people in our city. Your neighbors in their crisis will be able to call an organization that we're starting called Luma Counseling. It's not in the church, it's outside of the church, but it's gospel-centered to try and give them an opportunity to hear about Jesus when they're life falls apart. And I'm sure you've got neighbors like that. And then that's step one. Then we're going to think about how do we minister to adoptive families and, and moms in crisis. And that's just the beginning of what we want to do to see the kingdom of God advanced. So why are these people up here? Because every single one of them is filled by the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them God loved. Of all the people in the world, he called them to faith in Christ. 
and this is just three ministry areas of a host of ministry areas that we have in our church. I could throw up all kinds of examples here. I just want you to think with me about what it means individually and personally to be living on mission, that we can change the world one person at a time. Finally, look at the screen. This is Heather Nunn's grandmother. I should say this was Heather Nunn's grandmother. Heather Nunn's our director of communication. Her grandmother was a wonderful woman and Heather found this prayer in her grandmother's Bible and I just want you to read it out loud with me lest you think that simply praying a quiet prayer in your home doesn't make a difference. It does, but let's read this together. I'm available, Lord, to be used by you. Guide me, precious Lord, and lead me in what I say and do. May my words and actions be a witness that you are living in me. To the one that is lonely, may I be a friend. To those with heavy burdens, help me to meet their needs. Lord, I don't want fame or fortune. My prayer is that you will use me to glorify your name. I know I don't have much to offer, but I will give you my all. Guide me to be what you want me to be. Amen. Let's pray. You guys can have your seats. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to consider the way in which you want to work in our lives and in our church. We thank you for the story of College Park Church, and we pray, God, we plead, we beg that we'd see the level of impact in 2023 that we've never seen before. Lord, would you make this the kind of year where we're able to see the advancement of the gospel in new and powerful ways? Lord, the people on this platform are just, just a representation of so many other ministries. We heard even today of women's Bible studies and Heart of a Man. We've heard of children's ministry and students. We think of the counseling that's happening inside the church. God, there's so many things taking place, so many venues and groups and classes. We, we just want your spirit to fill us right where we are. So help us now, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.